The Church of Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, prays that grace and peace will be unto you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ as you come to Him with a sincere heart and in truth. Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and this radio broadcast is Shi'ar Jashub, which in Hebrew means, A Remnant Shall Return. We hope you enjoy these quarter of an hour programs where we delve into God's Word. My husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, is currently teaching a series entitled Heavenly Authority, and we are in the book of 1 Samuel at chapter 9. This is the section where Saul is chosen king over Israel. And when we left off last time, Saul had met the old prophet Samuel as he is on his way to the high place to bless the sacrifice and eat the communion meal. Samuel says to Saul in verse 20, And on whom is all the desire of Israel? Is it not on you and on all your father's house? Now, let's rejoin Pastor Greg as he discusses who should be the desire of Israel. And the same answer today is the answer back hundreds of years, millennia ago. The desire of Israel is the one who will save from ourselves, save from sin, not just from the enemies without, but from the enemy within. Not just the physical nations that surround, but powers of evil that take human beings and trap them in darkness and trap them in sin. To break the power of Satan, to break the power of sin, to break the sin in Israel, the sin in the Gentiles, the sin that's in every man, woman, and child that's ever lived. To take us out of darkness and bring us into light. The desire of Israel, the desire of every human being, should be towards the king that visited, who Zacharias prophesied, and whom John the Baptist went before saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then he pointed to a man that came to be baptized by him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Holiness and righteousness is brought by that king. Let's go back to 1 Samuel chapter 9. Verse 21, how does Saul respond to this question and this rhetorical question? Is it not on you and all your father's house, the desire of Israel? And Saul answered and said, Am I not a Benjamite of the smallest of the tribes of Israel, and my family the least of the families of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then do you speak like this to me? Now that's an interesting Reply. We discussed this before when we spoke about Moses. It's a response of humility. It's a response of modesty. How can it be me? And you see Saul, even though he's very tall, you don't get the feeling that Saul walks and stretches out his height. You almost see him like a little bent over, a little humble. Obviously, we spoke about Kish. He's got a powerful father. So when he says, and we're least of all the families and all the tribes, Someone would think that he'd walk up, if he's the tallest, he's got to know he's the most handsome. People that are attractive know it from when they're very young, and it influences their lives. 
You see people that are movie stars, how they, they know they can get responses out of any individual just because of the way they look. And yet obviously it hasn't gone to Saul's head because he gives an answer here, well, of course. Who else would it be? He says, you know, how can it be so because we're the smallest tribe? My family's the least. How can it be? How can it be me? Verse 22, now Samuel took Saul and his servant and brought them into the hall. And this hall is associated with the, the high place. It's like a substitute tabernacle at this time. And had them sit in the place of honor among those who were invited. And there were about 30 persons who were invited. So the first thing he sets them apart by having him sit in a place of honor at this communion meal, at the sacrifice. Verse 23, and Samuel said to the cook, bring the portion which I gave you, or which I said, set it apart. So again, you see the foreknowledge that God gave to Samuel of the situation by revelation that he's already told the cook to have a certain part of the sacrifice set apart. So the cook took up the thigh with its upper part and set it before Saul. And Samuel said, here it is. What was kept back, it was set apart. Notice that expression, set apart. Eat, for until this time it has been kept for you, since I said I invited the people. From the time I invited everyone, I knew this was going to happen. I had the cook set apart this part of the sacrifice. It's meant for you. Eat it. It's been kept for you. So Saul ate with Samuel that day. The thigh and the uppermost part of the sacrifice. And we think back, we should think back to the study on the priests and Levites again in Leviticus chapter 7 when we were speaking about the portion of the sacrifice given unto the priests. In chapter 7 verse 32 it says, also the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right thigh for his part. Remember that? So that right thigh belonged to the priest. And you know, it's, it's interesting here. We know that Samuel has been acting as a priest, but we've been told that he comes up to bless the sacrifice. And it's very possible that he's had... Uh, some of the priests, the descendants of Aaron, actually performing the sacrifices at the high place. And that would fulfill the word of God, of the man of God to Eli, when he said, and it shall come to pass, in chapter 2, verse 36, that everyone who is left in your house will come and bow down to him, the priest that will replace Eli, for a piece of silver and a morsel of bread, and say, please put me in one of the priestly positions, that I may eat a piece of a piece of bread. So Eli's surviving descendants might very well be doing some of the sacrificing at the high place for Samuel, and then Samuel comes and blesses the sacrifice. The people wait for him. And that right thigh was to be given to the priest that does the sacrifice. And supposedly the left thigh then went to the person next in honor. We don't know which thy here is being set apart, but obviously it's by symbolism very special because the high priest stood before the people between God and the people. And now we have something new. We have a king, 
And the king, in a certain sense, will also stand in the place he's set apart. He's consecrated to stand as a representative for the people before God and to be God's representative to lead the people. And everything that Samuel, the old prophet, is doing is to show the specialness of this office. You know, put him in the place of honor. Set apart the prime section of the sacrifice, the choice section, the special section, the consecrated section for him. Set it apart. And so he's placed in a position of honor and lifted up before those who are invited to the, the sacrifice. Though we're going to see that does not mean that Saul can offer the sacrifice. Matter of fact, that's one of the things that Saul will do wrong. Because Saul is not a descendant of Aaron, so he can't be a priest in the order of Aaron. And he is not in the nature of Samuel. He's not a man of God, a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So even though he's placed in the special position of king, there's a limit to it. And that'll become very important as we study further on in future studies about Saul. Okay. Verse 25, when they had come down from the high place into the city, Samuel spoke with Saul on the top of the house. This is probably where he tells him all that's in his heart. He probably tells him why he's felt the way he's felt since he was young. He probably explains to him the people's wrong desire for a king and how God is now granting their request for a king. Verse 26, they arose early, and it was about the dawning of the, of the day that Samuel called to Saul on the top of the house, saying, Get up, that I may send you on your way. And Saul arose, and both of them went outside, he and Samuel. As they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to go on ahead of us. God has used that man wisely, and now he goes on. His job is done. And he went on his way. But Samuel says to Saul, you stand here a while, that I may announce to you the word of God. So he's going to have the prophecy spoken over Saul. And the first thing we see that happens in the preparation of the king before anything else, is that the first step is that the king must be anointed. And in the anointing, God uses this prophet. And what does he do? Chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a flask of oil, that oil, and he poured it on his head. And he kissed him and said, Is it not because the Lord Yahweh has anointed you commander over his inheritance. Notice how God feels about Israel, right? He calls Israel, God calls Israel, God who created everything, who possesses everything, calls Israel his inheritance. Israel is God's inheritance. In Psalm 135, verse 4, it says, For the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his special treasure. And so the special place in God's heart for the people of Israel. He takes the flask, the oil, he pours it on his head. And so we begin here with the concept of the anointed. He said, is it not because the Lord has anointed you? And from this point on, we will have a tremendous development of, we've seen it before, but the concept of an anointed one, the 
consecrated one, the anointed king. And he bends over and he kisses him. That's a sign of affection, right? A sign of affection towards God's anointed. And remember, Saul is actually replacing Samuel as the leader of the Israelites. And you see the heart of old Samuel, that it doesn't bother him to take Saul to kiss him because this one has been chosen. He has anointed you, Moshach, anointed you, Moshach, as the commander, again, that same word, Norgi, the leader, the captain, the prince of his inheritance, Moshach, to cover, to smear with oil. And so the noun from Moshach is Moshiach, Moshiach, Moshiach from which we get transliterated Messiah, the anointed one. The Fellowship of Shir Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut is dedicated to sending forth the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ and witnessing his salvation message to a generation at risk. And it would be encouraging to hear from our listeners. We value your comments and it is always a blessing to hear from our radio family to know if our program has helped you in your walk with the Lord. All correspondence should be mailed to Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Also, let me invite you to our Sunday service. Shi'ar Jeshub Christian Tabernacle meets at 10 a.m. at the Madison Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Take exit 61 off I-95. Go south to Route 1, turn right, and at the next light, turn right again. Please join us next time for Shi'ar Jeshub.